If you're reading along in the Missalette, I know what you were thinking. You saw those brackets. You said, is he going to do the long form or is he going to do the short form? And we got to the part and then said, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm going to stand for another five minutes. But I promise it's important that, that we did the long form. These parables that, that Jesus, uh, Jesus gives to us today, they answer a central question. What Jesus is lifting up is, how does God relate to sinners? How does God react to sin? That's the question he's addressing and trying to, to speak about with these parables. I think we can agree that we all mess up. We all make mistakes. We all sin in some way or another. It's a reality that I think all too often we're faced with. Um, we're faced with our shortcomings. We're faced with our weaknesses. And it's important to think about and to, to, to see how we think of how God reacts to that. How do I see God when I'm in that spot? How do I see God looking at me when I'm in that spot? Because when we sin, when we screw up, when we mess up, we're, in a, we're, we're very vulnerable. We're very much aware of our own need, our own insufficiency, our own insecurities. We have this deep need for something, and, and sinning is, is trying to fill up that need with the wrong thing. We recognize that. And how we see God when we're in that spot, and how we see God looking at us when we're in that spot, it's, very, it's a fundamental thing to be aware of because it really defines our own relationship with the Lord. It defines what motivates us to come to Mass. It, it, it reveals what our prayer looks like. It affects what the content of that prayer looks like if we pray. How we see God and how God reacts to that, that that's, what, that's what determines all of that. So that's what Jesus wants to lift up and talk about today. That's what the Pharisees were kind of scoffing at. Look at God can't sit and have a meal with sinners and Jesus kind of wants to, to bring that up and to, to reveal and speak truth into that. And he does that by telling these three parables. And what these parables do is, in, a, in essence, they reveal who God is. They reveal how he reacts to our sins and how we ought to respond to how he, how he reacts to that. And these parables... They're not meant to be normal situations. They're meant to be kind of ridiculous. They're meant to be crazy to whoever would hear them. Like, for example, this first one with, with the shepherd. He's got a hundred sheep. One of them's lost. And he says, what shepherd would leave the 99 sheep and go out, go out and look for the one lost sheep? The answer is that no sane shepherd would leave 99 sheep in the desert, in the wilderness, to go look for one lost sheep. And it says, and when he finds it, he rejoices and calls everyone together and says, Rejoice with me, I found the lost sheep. Sheep aren't very smart. Sheep will get lost all the time. So if a shepherd comes and says, Rejoice with me, I found this lost sheep, the people would probably say, He got lost this morning and yesterday and the day before that. Why? It doesn't make sense to, number one, go find that one lost sheep. And then to have this big, great rejoicing because I found the lost sheep. And it's meant to kind of startle the people who are listening to it, because it, 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 but it's actually true when it comes to God. That there's no, no matter how crazy it sounds, that's the crazy kind of joy that the Lord has when one person comes back, when one person repents and turns to seek him, and that's how far he's willing to go to search out for that lost sheep. 
The woman who lost the coin, depending on, on how valuable the coin is, how important the coin is to her, I can understand, you know, sweeping the house looking for the coin. But to call everyone together to say, look, I found my lost coin. I'm not the most orderly person in the world. I kind of tend to misplace things every now and then. The day that I come up here and say, guys, I found my lost water bottle. Let's have a party. Is the day you need to tell Father Mitch, Father Mitch, he's lost it. It doesn't make any sense. And that's the point. In the same way, that's how far God is willing to search for us and how much joy he's, he has at the return, even a little bit of a return, for one lost sheep, for one lost coin. Pure, unfettered, crazy, irrational joy at that return. And with these, and these, these two parables, I think, kind of, they do a God, good job at setting the foundation, at kind of setting the stage for the truth of how far God is willing to go and how much he rejoices at our return. This third parable really allows us to enter into the, the, the mind of what's going on in these situations. We can only relate so much to a coin and to a sheep. Um, but this third parable, the prodigal son, kind of reveals to us a lot more deeply, I think, the father and our own reaction to that. My, I'm kind of at the age, a lot of my peers, uh, they're getting married, they're having kids, so this idea of fatherhood is something that's kind of been on my mind the last couple of weeks. Um, beyond, you know, becoming a priest, kind of processing this idea of really being a spiritual father, um, being a, God, a godfather to, to, like, for example, one of my friend's kids, his daughter. Um, this, this, this idea of being a father is something that I've been thinking about. And if you have maybe younger siblings, or nieces, nephews, um, godchildren, or if you are a parent with, with a son or daughter, um, this reality of just uh, the parent-child relationship is something that's unique, something that's special. And so, like, we can, you may know something of the joy when you first find out that either you or someone you know is having a kid, and there's an excitement about that. The first time you get to hold a newborn baby, there's, some, there's something, something special about that. Seeing that baby grow up, the first time they walk, kind of developing that relationship, there's, there's something unique, something unrepeatable about that relationship of a parent to, to his or her child. And you can imagine what's going through the father's mind when his son comes to him and says, I wish you were dead. That's essentially what, what the son tells him. It's a lot more poetically said, but I, Father, I want the inheritance. I get the inheritance when you die, so I wish you were dead. Imagine the father, maybe anger, hurt. This father who gives everything, he's given everything to provide for the son, is completely rejected by him. That son is you and me every single time we sin. We tell God, I wish you were dead. I wish you weren't in my life, so I'm going to act as if you weren't in my life. And we go in and kind of do our own thing. The son goes off, he tries to find his own fulfillment, his own happiness, his own satisfaction, kind of keeping God at a distance, kind of keeping God in his own little box, like the Israelites did in the first reading. They made God into an idol. They made God into this little statue that they could put out and put away, Whenever they wanted, they kept God in this. They kept God at a distance. And eventually, though, the son gets to this point where he realizes how far off he's gone. He realizes just how far off the track he's gone 
And he says this line that we said in the psalm that I think is incredibly important. I will rise and go to my Father. I will rise and go to my Father. Just as, as a servant, but I will rise and go to him. And the Father responds just as crazily as the shepherd did, just as crazily as the woman looking for the coin did. He runs out to him. Doesn't even let the son finish with his little prepared speech that he, that he was going to say. Doesn't chew him out, doesn't hold anything against him, doesn't say, look at all this stuff you did to me, look at all this anger and this hurt that you've caused me. He just lavishes everything that the son could ever want on him. No grudges, no revenge, no hurt, just complete joy. Complete and utter joy at the return of this lost son. Notice in all three parables, though, what causes this joy. What causes the joy is repentance. It's caused by the, the desire to come back to the Father. I will rise and I will go to the Father. This desire to, to leave where we are and to go back to the Lord, to return to this God, who, this Father, who's continuing to seek us and who's looking for us, waiting for us to come back. And what got the Son to that point? He said he came to his senses. He stopped, he came to his senses, and he thought. He gave himself the space in his own life to recognize just how badly his father wanted him and just how far astray he had gone. Giving ourselves the space to recognize just how much the father is looking for us. Like this father in the parable who, was, who ran out to meet the son. If he ran out to meet the son, that means he saw him from way far away. And if he saw him from way far away, that means he was looking for him. Which means he was probably looking for him again and again and again, day after day after day, waiting for the sun to come back. We take, take the time to stop, to allow the Father, to just to recognize how that Father is looking on us. The truth of that. I will rise from where I am and I will go to the Father. And when I go to the Father, I'm going to go to the Father recognizing who he, that He is who He says He is, and I will go to Him with, with the honesty of, of where I'm at right now. For the younger son, it was, Lord, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not worthy to be here. And the Father was able to speak to that. The younger son, I think, reveals that particularly as well. He says uh, he was here. He was there the whole time. He never left. I think the older son, though, he was there physically, but not really. He wasn't fully there. He wasn't spiritually there, so to speak. Because you can tell something had been building up. He had been, there, there's something building up. I imagine that to get him to this point, he was there, but he wasn't really talking to his father. He wasn't really sharing his heart with the father. He's following all the rules, doing all the right things, so that when he sees his brother, who, who th broke all the rules came back and, and saw what his father was doing to him because he shared his heart with him, that was kind of the breaking point for, for this older son. And you can kind of hear the frustration. He says, look, I have been here this whole time following all the rules and you haven't even done a thing to, for me. Because he never took the time to, to talk to the father. He was there, but not really there. So the father couldn't address that because he, it had never been expressed to him. And now at this moment, the anger, the frustration was finally given to him so that the father could speak, my son, you are always here with me. 
everything that I have is yours. Rising and going to the Father in the authenticity and the honesty of our own hearts. Expressing where we're at so that he can speak directly to that, just like he does to both of these sons. He speaks directly to where they're at. That's what the Lord desires to do to each one of us. Today, tomorrow, every day. I will rise and go to the Father. Very concretely today, we will rise and come to receive Jesus, to receive God into our own hearts. We will come and go to the Father. May we have the courage to take that, to rise in our own lives, and go honestly with our whole hearts to the Father who's waiting for us and seeking for us and longing for us.